Let's open our songbooks to 544. Number 544, surely goodness and mercy. Aren't you glad for God's goodness? I'm glad for his mercy too. Because of his mercy, I haven't been consumed yet. (laughs) And eternally I won't be. 544, surely goodness and mercy. Go ahead, Valerie. Try? Okay. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I shall feast at the table spread for me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. Of course, that last refrain tells us that we shall feast at the table spread for us. 
in eternity. And we'll get to enjoy Thanksgiving banquets there as well as here. I hope you had a great day on Thursday. And I'm looking forward to our Wednesday, our church Thanksgiving banquet this year. I don't know if you were able to find the sheets on the counter over there. The sheets from last week are there as well because we didn't quite get through uh, last week's. So uh, we actually will be starting on page two of uh, last week's. I endeavor to uh, get through the rest of last week's and this week's, so that could be a challenge, and we'll see uh, what we can do with that. So we left off uh, last week. We were in the middle of talking about the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we uh, talked about the incarnation and uh, the importance of that. And then we got into the facts of his humanity, and we talked about the reality of it. And today we need to start, and to finish that part, with the uniqueness of his humanity. So on page uh, two, number two, is its uniqueness. That's where we are going to begin. Um, So the first statement that you'll find there is, while Jesus possessed a complete human nature, it differs from ours in that it is perfect and sinless. He fully displayed the moral qualities of God in humanity. So he possessed a complete human nature. And first John one or sorry, John one fourteen says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, we beheld his glory, the glory as, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So you see some of the differences in that in his human nature uh, concerning it being perfect and sinless in that verse and how it differs from ours. Also in letter A, he never sinned or was a sinner. Luke chapter 23 and verse 47 we uh, read what the centurion had to say. It says, Now when the centurion was, saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. Uh, a couple other verses that you can write there if you'd like. Matthew chapter, chapter 27 and verse 4, uh, we see uh, Judas's uh, response. Or what Judas said. Matthew 27 and verse 4. It says, saying, and this is Judas speaking, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. So the fact that Judas recognized that uh, he had betrayed innocent blood. Uh, John chapter 19 and verses 4 and 6, we see Pilate finding no fault in Jesus. And then also, and I know these are a few verses that weren't written there. Uh, That's what happens when I 
have more time to look into it in another week. First Peter uh, 2 and verse 21 and 22. First Peter 2, 21 and 22. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. So there was no, he did no sin and there was no guile found in his mouth. So he never sinned and was, or was a sinner. Uh, B, he never confessed sin or sought forgiveness. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 7, verses 26 and 27 say, For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests, to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. So he didn't, as a, high, as a sacrifice for his sins or, for, or daily for the sins of the people because he did this once when he offered up himself. Okay, so he never confessed or sinned or sought forgiveness. And then C... He committed, he submitted to John's baptism, not indicative of his forgiveness, but rather as an occasion for his divine anointing. Turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 29. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. These, were, these things were done in... Well, sorry, 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending, and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. So his divine anointing was the purpose of his baptism, not for um, forgiveness. Any questions on that section, Pastor? Well, I was going to say, I had a a verse that speaks to his absolute humanity and yet his sinlessness. Hebrews 4, verse 15, it says... For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but within all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Amen. Thank you. <clears throat> Joshua. 
Give me some water, please. <clears throat> Next, letter D, we're going to uh, speak of the union of Jesus's two natures. And <clears throat> here I don't have any blanks for you. I just want to work down through this section. Uh, number one, God the Son was a person from eternity past that possessed the divine nature, nature of God, that made him the second person of the Godhead. And I think this was covered uh, well um, in the previous study when uh, there was talk the Trinity was, or triunity was spoken of, uh, the fact that he um, was the second person of the Godhead. So number two, God the Son, upon his incarnation, took upon himself a human nature divinely generated of Mary's substance. Uh, Luke chapter 1 and verse 35, a verse that we have looked at before, uh, but we will look at again, and and we'll find that some of these verses... um, do keep coming up. Luke chapter 1 and verse 35 says, And the the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So last week we talked about that word overshadowed, the, the fact that the Holy Spirit Uh, came over Mary and uh, generated um, within her the baby that would be born. So it was by the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, we see in Hebrews 1.3, the verse reads, "...who being in the brightness of his glory..." the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Those two words, his person, are the words, and I didn't write it down, um, but is the word that we referred to as the uh, hypostatic union. Um, it's hypostasis, I guess that's where I have it. I kind of lost my place. Uh, <clears throat> number four is referring to that those two words. His person is a hypostasis. It's a setting under or an essence. So the word could read, or the verse could read, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his essence and upholding all things by the word of his power. So looking into that word. So an example of uh, hypostasis in the divine nature is the divine nature that underlies the three persons, selves, or personhoods of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all working together in unison within the divine nature. So you have the three persons and the one nature. That is a picture of this word, hypostasis. So what is considered the 
doctrine number five of the doctrine of the hypostatic union of Jesus' two natures, that's his human nature and his divine nature, that these two natures, the divine and human, are united in his personhood, in in himself, in the one person. Here the hypostasis is the eternal, he's called the Alpha and the Omega, the eternal personhood which underlies his divine and human natures and which unites them within himself. That is a quote taken from this uh, practical Christian theology. I don't try to put things in my own words. I'd rather use his words than to... uh, get it mixed up because it is somewhat of a difficult thing for us to understand in our um, limited thinking compared to the Lord's unlimited thinking. So a couple of statements that maybe will help is the divine and human natures are united in one personhood or self. The Lord Jesus is not two persons one human and the other divine, but he is one self. I did not list on this paper, I didn't want to take the time, of many of the um, false views. And so this statement in itself is addressing some of those. Uh, B, the two natures are inseparably united in his self. He can't take them apart yet not mingled or confounded. One nature does not affect the other, yet the two never function independently of the other. Similar to the triunity. The three persons have their function, but they all function within the divine nature. So I want to read for you from this book, says, when he was on earth, Jesus' personhood had complete control over the manifestations of his deity in the realm of his human experience. But when he did not display the visible qualities of his divine nature, he still possessed it. When he expressed his deity with speaking the divine name in Gethsemane, he was still a man whom they bound and led away. When he manifested his humanity by sleeping in the boat, he was no less God, upholding the universe by the word of his power. Hebrews 1.3 With this in view, we can understand Paul's reference to the blood of God in Acts 20.28. Although blood is not part of the divine nature, it was an essential element of Jesus' unglorified human nature, being God and man. God the Son purchased his church with his own sacrificial human blood. Ephesians 5.25 Any questions on that section on the hypostatic union that I can't answer? Um, Go ahead. This is Practical Christian Theology by Floyd Barrickman. Matt. 
And which one? 2C. 2C. Um, sorry, I got to go back a page. 2C. He submitted. Okay. Well, let's move on to page four. which is this week's the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ continued. <clears throat> Number two, or Roman numeral tool, two is his human character. Character is a description of the qualities of one's human nature in daily life. Qualities is the word to fill the blank. Now we're going to go down through A through K. I've handed out to certain different people uh, verses to be read. And so this is a section where those will fit. So letter A, his meekness and humanity. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Someone has that? Matthew eleven twenty nine. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. So he is meek and lowly. So meekness and humility. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Secondly, uh, B is compassion. Matthew nine thirty six. It says, but when he saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as a sheep having no shepherd. So he was moved with compassion on them. So compassion is one of those qualities of one's human nature. Um, <clears throat> letter C, obedience. John eight twenty nine. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things which please him. So I do always those things which please him. So he followed in obedience as part of his human character while he was here on earth. Letter D is love. John chapter 13 and verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the fathers, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. So the last part of the word, uh, verse, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them to the end. So love is a quality of his human character. Industry, letter E, industry. John chapter 9 and verse 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And did I give somebody John seventeen four? I may not have because I had more than one. It says, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work that thou gavest me. To do. 
I have finished the work which thou gavest to me to do. So uh, industry was part of his human character. And then letter F is patience. John chapter 14 and verses 1 through 9. John 14, 1 through 9. Okay, maybe I didn't hand that one out. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known, if ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and ye hast not and ye hast thou not known me? Philip, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? So he showed patience in the way he was dealing with um, Thomas and with Philip in those passages. Letter G, grace, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So his grace shone toward us. And I, I know there's other verses that would fit in each one of these, and you can add to it as you want. Uh, but his grace was part of the quality of his human na- uh, character. H, his forgiveness. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garment and cast lots. Okay. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He showed forgiveness in the midst of what he was going through. And then uh, letter I, tenderness. John chapter 8 and verse 3 through 11. And the scribes and Pharisees brought on him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one beginning at the eldest even unto the last and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst 
when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw no uh, saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. So here is a an account of Jesus showing tenderness toward uh, this woman when obviously uh, she was caught in uh, sin. And so uh, tenderness was part of, uh, was a quality of his human nature. Uh, J, firmness and courage, Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. So he steadfastly uh, set his face to go to Jerusalem. He was determined, a firmness, but also courage in the midst of it, knowing what was coming. And so uh, another two more qualities together. And then lastly is holiness, Mark chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Can you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The Holy One of God, and um, even this unclean spirit recognized his holiness now as I look at that list that list to me is a very tough list because my toes hurt going down through that because you know what those were the qualities in Jesus' humanity when he was here on earth and the interesting fact is these qualities are available to us as saved individuals. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So each one of those qualities through the Spirit could be part of our lives. Um, made me think of the song, Ode to Be Like Thee. And that, I hope it's your goal as well as mine that each day I would become more and more like him that I would be the light uh, in this world, that others might see him through me. And I know I fail, and I'm thankful for his grace and mercy that I can go to him when I do fail and ask for forgiveness. So a challenge uh, to us from his human character. So that's a description of it. Uh, what is the importance of that um, number two? is it showed he was qualified to be our Savior. 
It says Hebrews 7, 26 and 27 say, For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as a high priest to offer up a sacrifice for his own sins and then for the people's. For he did this once when he offered up himself. So we had read 27 before I added 26 uh, to that. It showed that he was qualified to be our Savior. 1 John 3, 5 says, And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. And then lastly, 1 Peter 2, 22, which we had, had read before, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And then Pastor added a verse. I wrote it down another place. Do you remember the one verse from Hebrews? You, you shared a verse from Hebrews. Hebrews 4.15. 4.15 would fit there as well. Uh, these qualities are available to us as saved individuals. As saved individuals people who have put their personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross for us. Made it personal. Okay. So letter B. It manifested the moral character of God the Father. So his uh, human character manifested the moral character of God the Father. Uh, John 1.14 we've read before. I'll read it again. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So he, in his humanity, manifested uh, the Father, the character of God the Father to us. Um, <clears throat> John 1.18, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So he showed us God the Father through his life, through his human character. Uh, letter C. It set forth the ideal standard or example for his people to follow. Where there's ideal standard. Ephesians chapter 5, But ye therefore followers, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So we need to be followers of him. First uh, Peter 2.21 talks about the fact that Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. So letter D. It exposed and rebuked wickedness. Light will do that. John three nineteen and 20. Let's turn there. John three nineteen and 20. It says, and this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. In verse 20, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So light 
<clears throat> exposes the darkness. So Jesus in his humanity uh, exposed and rebuked wickedness. Sorry, for some reason my mouth is dry today. <clears throat> so any questions on that section? Okay, so so going from his human character to now to his human activity. And we'll quickly go through this section and finish the page for today. So simply stated, his human activity was to carry out the Father's will, the divine will. So number one, during his first coming, A, to present himself... I lost my spot. To, it, to present himself to Israel for acceptance or rejection. To present himself to Israel for acceptance or rejection. Luke chapter 4 and verse 42 through 44 says, And when it was day, he departed and went into the desert, and the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him, that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities, for therefore I am sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. So his uh, one part of his human activity was to present himself to Israel for acceptance or rejection. B, to allow himself to be crucified, confirming the divine sentence of condemnation and Romans 8 2 says for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death John sixteen eleven says of judgment because the prince of this world is judged and then John 12 31, now is the judgment of the world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And it's interesting that phrase in John 12, 31, where it says, now shall the prince of this world be cast out. To explain that a little bit is the fact that um, because we know that he is a prince in the power of the air, even as we speak, but his dominion, after Christ's death, his dominion over man, over men, or his power to enslave and so to ruin them is destroyed. The death of Christ judged or judicially overthrew him. He was thereupon cast out or expelled from his usurped dominion. Letter C to give his life for the provisional atonement for humanity's sin. And I'll just read these last two so that we can finish up. Uh, Letter D, to arise in triumph over death and Satan. And letter E, he prepared the apostles for their ministry of establishing Christianity in the world. And you can 
look up those verses that go with that if you'd like. Um, but that is his human activity to that point. Uh, we will uh, later discuss his human activity during his absence from earth and during his second coming. We will do that next week. I'd ask for questions, but we're already over time. And so praise the Lord for what he has done for us. Let's close in the word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you for your time that you spent here on earth and for the work that you accomplished during that time and how we can look at that to, as an example of things that we need to be doing as your children. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would go with us, that you would help us to do your will, and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.